0: If there's a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. The Children of the Force. Welcome to episode 186 of Children of the Force: a podcast about Star Wars by one adult and his two kids. I'm Al Nawatsky, the adult.
1: I'm Anna and I'm 14. I'm Liam and I'm 12.
0: And uh, that fortune cookie was not from a listener. That is a Toni Morrison quote. Toni Toni Morrison's an author of many fine books. She passed away in 2019. And I think that it's appropriate for today because today we are reading fanfic. And that's what fanfic is. Mm -hmm. If there's a story that you want in, you know, the thing that you love, like a Star Wars story that you want and it doesn't exist... Fanfic is a way to get it out into the world. Write that story. Like tell it. And Finn. that like, did
1: exist. It just didn't show that it existed. It does exist. It's a story that exists in Star Wars. It just hasn't been written. You know? So
0: so a lot of people write, so then you write it. Ships. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh fanfics. Yep, that's right. So um, yeah, and there's different kind of different kinds of fanfic. Uh, there's kind of the regular fanfic where it's like I'm gonna write a story about what happened after this movie and it's like it kind of uh fills in those places that maybe haven't been filled in yet so it's it kind of fits into canon uh but it's not canon but then there's also uh what's called like fix fixfic or fix it fic where it's like I really don't like the way uh for example the rise of skywalker was written so I'm going to fix it and I'm going to fix a certain thing that I didn't like in it and and write the story as if this was different, right? Or, um, like,
1: like different universes. Like, it's the same... It, like, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but, like, basically, it's the same universe, but, like, one major thing is different or something.
0: Yeah, uh, AU, so yeah, al- AU. alternate universe, alternate right? Universe, um, yeah. Like, what would ha- How would it be different if this was different, right? Right. Yep, yeah. so... uh. Yeah. So if, if there's something that you want to read and it's not out there, then you can write it. I like that quote. Uh, so we're going to read some fanfic and that's pretty much all we're going to do today. But before we do that, we do have to, of course, just acknowledge the news that Gina Carano is no longer employed by Lucasfilm and that they will not employ her in the future. And that is because of the awful things that she has said on social media. And, uh, we think that's the right choice. I was relieved yes. to hear the news. It, it uh, seemed like it was kind of overdue, but I understand, you know, there's there's considerations, there's contracts, we don't know everything that went into why it took so long for Lucasfilm to do this, um, but uh, now she is off Star Wars, and um, we'll talk about it more on the next show, but that's not the focus of this show, so we're going to move on. Um And, yeah, I just wanted everyone to know, don't worry, we will talk about it more. (laughs) Uh, But, let's get on to some fanfic.
1: Next episode, which will be another listener mailbag, because we didn't do one this week, so we'll have to do one next week. And how
0: much do you want to bet we might get some listener mail that has to do with the Gina Carano news? I
1: bet bet we have some. I bet we have some (laughs) right now. I
0: I think we might. Uh, So, first up, we have... Uh, some fanfic from Ish. And Ish wrote an epilogue for the book Ahsoka uh, by E.K. Johnson. So uh, Ish had read the book and thought, well, what if this story, this is like a little, little short story that kind of comes after the book, right? That's basically what an epilogue is. So let's begin. Soka, now Fulcrum, walks through the Tatooine desert on her first mission, to hunt down a dangerous bounty hunter by the name of Sage Dame. So far, it has not been so great. She had run into a band of Tusken raiders and had to trade her speeder bike for passage through their land. They thought they were in charge and that everyone else were strangers invading their territory. She had been walking for a while and had drunk the rest of the water from her canteen when she came across a town, Mos Eisley. Her main target stopped here often to refuel before taking off again, but only stayed as long as necessary. She had a strict window to catch her target of two and a half hours.
1: Do you know where I can get some water?
0: Fulcrum asked a lady in a stand.
1: Um, excuse me, but can you please tell me where I can get some water?
0: She asked again. Oh yes, you can get it from multiple vendors, including mine if you want. Also, in the cantina, you have a larger variety of beverages to choose from.
1: Okay, thank you. I think I'll just buy some water here, if that's okay.
0: Fulcrum paid for some water and started to look around for anything. She was walking and came to Docking Bay 3, where a sleek black ship was getting fueled up. She had her suspicions about whose it was, but wanted to investigate before she jumped to conclusions. She was watching the droids repair the ship when two stormtroopers walked up behind her.
1: Hey, let me see your identification. This is an authorized area only.
0: Stormtroopers? The Empire? This is going to be a lot harder than it was supposed to be, Fulcrum thought. She thought fast, but came up with nothing. Fighting would only draw attention, and that was the last thing she needed.
1: Oh, sorry. I forgot where I was. All the docking bays looked the same. Yeah, we'll move along. Thank you. Long live the Empire,
0: she said, and instantly regretted it. She walked away and wondered why just that docking bay was authorized personnel, but had a feeling her target was right under her nose. She could feel it. She still had time to catch Sage, but was still worried about how much time she had. She decided to spy on the docking bay from above, where stormtroopers couldn't get her or see her. She decided to put a tracking device on the ship, so if Sage escaped her, all hope would not be lost. She used the force to make sure there was no one in the bay and jumped down. When she landed, she used the force to close up the pit droids working on the ship. She tried to avoid using the force too often, so Riata didn't happen all over again. She needed to get in and out on this job. She quickly ran to the ship and attached the tracking device to the bottom of its hull. She jumped back up to the top of the docking bay. Two hours later, she woke up, confused how she had fallen asleep. She realized she had been seen and been knocked unconscious. She quickly jumped down off the ledge and went to find someone who could lend her a ship. She bought a humble little ship for 500 credits and took off. According to her tracking device, Sage was headed to Takadana, so Fulcrum was too. She settled in for a long ride.
1: I just want to make a quick comment. Yeah. The Rayada all over again. Yeah. That was very good. Very, <laughs> very Star Warsy and very good. Oh, yeah. Adding like a, this thing that happened, oh, you have no idea what it is.
0: Oh, but remember, that's the planet that she was on. Really? In, in Ahsoka, yeah. yeah. Really? In, in the book. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, either way, it's still, that's yeah, still no, a no, really no. good, yeah. like. Very good. Remember. Yep. All right. So that's kind of the end of that section. And then the next section starts. She arrived at Takodana and headed toward Maz's castle. Once she arrived, she was relieved to see the sleek black ship she had seen on Tatooine earlier that day. She walked into the castle and was surprised to see how much diversity there was. She found a private bar in the corner and looked around. She knew what Sage looked like. She was a humanoid with black hair and tan skin. She wasn't tall, but she was strong. She usually had one or two droids in her shadow bodyguards probably. She looked around and spotted her in the opposite corner with one droid at her side. Fulcrum liked to study the opposition before making any moves. She saw that Sage had four blasters, two on her hips and two just above her knees. Sage excused herself to the refresher, so Fulcrum decided to beat her there. When Sage walked in, Fulcrum was ready.
1: You're a bounty hunter, are you not?
0: Fulcrum asked Sage. Yes, I am, and I'm a good one, too, Sage replied. If you need a job, I can't take it, and if you're a rival, I might take your life, so be careful.
1: Okay, I will,
0: Fulcrum responded.
1: I wouldn't exactly call myself your rival, but I'm more or less on a mission to hunt you down.
0: (laughs) The look of pure hate that appeared in Sage's eyes was enough to assure anyone that this was going to end ugly. Sage drew two blasters and pointed them both at Fulcrum. No one has ever caught me and never will, Sage screamed. Seconds later, both of Sage's droids came walking in. I bet you have captured lots of people, but you have never caught Sage Dame, Sage screamed.
1: And I'm sure you've never been hunted by a Jedi.
0: Sage's eyes changed from hate to terror in less than a second. Jedi? Jedi? There's no way. I mean, you're extinct. Sage took the distracted opportunity to lunge at Fulcrum who easily sidestepped the attack. The two women squared off, taking the fight out into the bar area. Sage's droids flanked her on her attack. Sage realized that this was not going to be an easy fight. Suddenly, two bright white lights streaked past Sage's face, and her droids fell to the ground. Fulcrum's lightsabers glowed a bright white in the dim bar. Sage made a run outside, and Fulcrum followed her. Fulcrum and Sage exchanged punches, Sage missing most of them. Fulcrum had been trained by the great Anakin Skywalker, and was great with a lightsaber and without one in hand-to-hand combat. Fulcrum pinned Sage down on the ground. A few cheers came from the onlookers who had left the bar to watch.
1: I have no intention of killing you,
0: Fulcrum said to Sage.
1: In fact, I really would rather not, so if you could cooperate, this would be good for both of us.
0: What will you do to me? Sage asked.
1: I'm not entirely sure, but we will imprison you for a bit. If you cooperate with me and my friends, you could either be free again or join our rebellion against the Empire.
0: Who exactly are your friends? Sage asked.
1: You'll just have to wait and find out.
0: Fulcrum brought Sage to Bail Organa and made sure that Sage was treated well. When she and Bail were alone, she told Bail that she had felt something through the Force while on Tatooine, and that it had felt familiar, but she couldn't quite tell.
1: In time, you will learn a lot, child, but for now, it was just a feeling.
0: Walking away, Fulcrum was trying to figure out exactly what he meant. She knew she had felt something through the force, but it couldn't be what she really felt, could it? She was still walking away, and it hit her.
1: Obi Wan, where are you? Dance I like that. Really good.
0: That was good. It was very good. And that's that's the story. Oh, yes. That's the epilogue. Nice work, Ish. I like how this epilogue, you know, leads. It kind of leads into possibly the Obi yeah, Wan Kenobi series. Yeah, the Obi Wan Kenobi
1: series. It's cool
0: because who knows, right? We might see Ahsoka on oh, Tatooine. that would be so
1: cool if we saw Ahsoka in the Obi Wan series. That would be something. That'd be really cool. <laughs>
0: ah, Ahsoka and Obi Wan in live action together. That would, be awesome. that would be pretty awesome. awesome. So I like it. I like it. Thank you Ish, so much for sending that story. Any I'm other thoughts on it?
1: Really wanting to see movies. Like, really? Yeah. I'm seeing pictures. <laughs> yeah. That's how bad I want to see movies. That's what good writing is. That's what good writing is.
0: Um, I have to say that, you know, uh, this story and all of them today that we're going to read, uh,
1: the best picture I could see was them fighting in a bathroom. Me too. In like a public restroom. Yeah, I could it, just it's see them great, fight. I, okay. It's a great location <laughs> what, for what, a fight. What picture I, What mm-hmm. bathroom I pictured, I pictured the J. Selby's bathroom for some reason.
0: That's so we I pictured
1: the one at the movie theaters because I was picturing Ooh, it as a movie. Uh, you nice. You know, yeah. like a big open yeah. bathroom.
0: And we don't know what the bathrooms look like uh, in, in Maz's castle. No, I guess. we don't. Mm. Um, <laughs> But, well, you know, I've been, so I'm still reading, I I haven't been reading it that much, which is why I'm still reading it, uh, The Alphabet Squadron, the second book. Oh, and I finished and, Bloodline. Uh, oh, yeah, you finished Bloodline. But I, I have to say, after reading Alphabet Squadron and then reading these stories, like, Alphabet Squadron's good. But I'm actually, I enjoy these stories more. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. It's probably because everyone is so miserable in Alphabet Squadron. It's just, there's no joy. Everyone is just beat down and miserable. So uh, these stories are fun. So, all right. Well, our next story is from Riley. And this is an excerpt from their Mando book. Uh, So Riley had said they were writing a Mandalorian novel. Remember? And I think this fic could be considered uh, either fix-it fic or AU, uh, because there's one main difference in this uh, from from the actual story uh, that we see in The Mandalorian. And uh, let well,
1: yeah. me guess, it's just no Baby Yoda.
0: No, no, it's it's a it's kind of a prequel story. So mm-hmm.
1: anyway, let's get okay. to it.
0: Mando by Riley, and and this is the prologue of the story that they wrote. BOOM! There were blaster bolts everywhere, thin red lasers. Hurry, said a man to his wife, who was carrying their son.
1: I'm going as fast as I can,
0: she said. They were running on a dusty road, passing the same sand-colored houses they always passed. In the distance, they heard an explosion. Finally, they got to where they were trying to go. They were standing over a small metal box with two doors. It looked like the entrance to a cellar, only smaller. The woman opened the doors and set the child in it. Then the woman began to cry.
1: Goodbye, little one,
0: she said through wet sobs. We need to go, the man said. Taking a last look at their son, the woman closed the doors. With a creak, the doors swing open. There, standing over the box, was a super battle droid. The boy just stared up at it, not knowing what it was, not knowing it was about to kill him. The droid raised its fist toward the child. Just then there were two blasts and the droid began to fall sideways. From behind where the droid fell, a woman, wearing a golden helmet and furs, ran to where the boy sat in the box. Hello, said the woman, I'm here to help. Come here, she said, as she stretched out her arms toward the child. She picked him up.
1: Where are you taking me?
0: Somewhere no one can hurt you. Put these on, the woman said as she handed the boy a pair of goggles. The boy put them on, then the woman activated her jetpack, and they flew up, 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 into the sky. Then they leveled. Whoa! A blaster bolt whizzed past the woman, and the boy looked back and saw a vulture droid following them. Hold on, said the woman. They flew up and down and up and down again, but the vulture droid kept following them. Then the jetpack slowed just enough to get behind the droid. The woman ducked her head, and a rocket launched from the jetpack. It flew at the droid and connected. With a deafening boom, the ship exploded. After a while, they landed in the middle of a dusty street. They walked into the middle of the street where there was a sewer plate.
1: Who are you?
0: The boy asked. We'll talk inside, said the woman.
1: Inside what?
0: The boy asked. The woman pointed at the sewer plate, then she opened it up. It didn't smell as bad as the boy had been expecting. Follow me, said the woman. And then she jumped into the sewer. Following her, the boy jumped down too. When he got to the bottom, the woman caught him, then set him down. The woman stuck her arm out, and then a rope shot from her vambrace. It grappled to the sewer plate and pulled it over the hole with a clank. Now, if you have any questions, now would be the time, she said.
1: Who are you?
0: said the boy. I am the armorer. What is your name, little one?
1: My name is Din "'Where are we?'
0: asked Din. "'We are in the Mandalorian Den,' said the Armorer. Din looked around the den and saw other people with armor and helmets. "'The Foundling Dorms are over there,' the Armorer said, gesturing to a door on their left.
1: "'The what Dorms?'
0: Din asked with a puzzled look. "'The Foundling Dorms,' said the Armorer. "'Foundlings are children like you who we found and who agreed to follow the Mandalorian way.' Din walked over to the door to the foundling dorms and opened it. Then he walked inside. At first glance, Din saw four children no older than him. "'Hi,' said a black-haired boy with a gray jumpsuit. "'My name's Dex Moral.' "'This is Malvexus,' he said, gesturing toward a red-haired boy in the same gray jumpsuit. "'And that's Richie Max,' he pointed at a brown-haired boy in the same gray jumpsuit. "'And that's Raina San.' He pointed at a tall girl standing in the shadows, twirling a vibroblade in her fingers. Hi, said Din, looking around at all of the children. They were all human. Here's your jumpsuit, he said, handing Din a gray jumpsuit. And that's your bunk, Dex said, pointing at a bottom bunk near the girl in the shadows. Then someone hit the light. Night, someone said. Night. Night, everyone else said. Din climbed into his bunk and pulled on his jumpsuit. Before he knew it, he was fast asleep. Suddenly there was a shout, and Din woke up with a start.
1: Din! Din, wake up! What?
0: Din said groggily. He heard a shout from outside the room. He jumped out of bed and addressed the person who had shouted for him to get up, who happened to be Rena.
1: What's going on? I don't know. Here, take this.
0: She threw him a small, slender blaster. There was another shout. The other kids were all holding blasters, just like his, and they were standing next to the door, blasters up. Ready on three, said Dex. One, two, three. The door flew open, and the kids spilled out, looking around. There, standing ahead, was a person all dressed in black, wearing a black helmet, and holding a brilliantly red lightsaber, blocking every single bolt a grown-up Mandalorian shot at him. Then finally the person in black chopped the blasters out of the Mando's hands and cut him down. Then he turned to look at the kids. As Din met the person's eyes, fear shot through him. Suddenly the person flew toward the kids. Din shot at the person. He deflected it. Din shot again, blocked. He shot again and again and again, all blocked. As the person got closer, Din knew he would die, and there was nothing he could do. The others were shooting at the person again and again, but they were all blocked. There was nothing they could do. He was just about to suggest they lock themselves inside their room, no matter how little it would do. But just then there was a loud clang, and the person fell outright inches from the kids. He dropped his lightsaber, and it retracted. Behind the person was the armorer, hand outstretched, having just thrown a heavy welding hammer at the person, knocking him out and saving the kids. Then the armorer said, Foundlings to your rooms!
1: Okay, one sec, we need to... Wait, wait, wait. so that's...
0: I, I, think an, I, think an, I think it's an Inquisitor. I think it's an
1: Inquisitor. I thought it was Darth Vader. It I thought it was like Darth, Darth Vader, Vader. Vader at first, too, but I'm pretty sure it's an Inquisitor.
0: Unless it's a complete mm-hmm. AU and this yeah, is how Darth Vader dies. Be a complete <laughs> AU. <laughs> <laughs> if Darth Vader went after the armor, he would have died much earlier. <laughs> None of them moved. The Armorer walked over to the intruder. She kicked him over onto his back, pulled a blaster holstered at her waist pointed it at him, and shot him once, twice, three times in the head, ensuring he was dead. Reyna walked over to the intruder's lightsaber, pointed her blaster at it, and shot it until it blew in sparks. Seemingly not quite satisfied, Reyna walked into their dorm, and the rest of the kids followed and closed the door. They all crawled into their bunks and fell asleep, all except for Din. Finally, he fell into an uneasy sleep full of dreams of what would happen if the armor had not saved them the blades sliding through him just like the other older Mandalorian. Seven years later, Din stirred under his blankets, then climbed out of bed. He was now wearing a chest plate made of Beskar and Mandalorian vambraces, shoulder plates, thigh plates, and shin plates, with two blasters holstered on each side of his hips. Most of it wasn't pure, but it was half Beskar. He looked around the room and saw only Reyna. Come on, she said.
1: I was supposed to wait here until you woke and take you to target practice when you did. Okay, let's go,
0: Din said. He and Raina walked out of the room, opened the sewer plate, and jumped up, then closed the lid. They walked to the street next to theirs.
1: So I was thinking,
0: Raina said thoughtfully,
1: Do you want to go spar instead of target practice?
0: She said, looking at Din. Then Din's face split into a grin.
1: Definitely.
0: All right, and that's the that's the opening, right? Remember, there's more to this. So nice, yeah. very nice, Riley. Do you Riley. think
1: I like we accidentally kill each other or something while we're sparring?
0: Oh, geez, I hope not. That <laughs> means...
1: That's why Mando's so down all the time because he killed like his best friend in wow. sparring practice.
0: That would be awful. That
1: would be really dark.
0: I, I th- I'm assuming Riley has ar- no, I, I haven't. Riley has I mean, only sent this. So it's,
1: it's a bit dark. I mean, the yeah. story itself is a well, bit yeah, dark, that's so. true,
0: that's true. You know. Um, yeah, nice work, Riley. Yeah, that was good. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, send us more, um, if you want to. I think we might end up doing, you know, multiple episodes, because I know, uh, nines that we're getting to, there's no way we're reading all that on the show, so, uh, we might do multiple installments, almost like, um, like the way, well, like a radio show, right? You know, where you tune in each week to hear a little bit more of the story. Oh, yeah. Little Orphan Annie. Yeah. <laughs> little Orphan Din. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So before we do, uh so we have nines left. That's the main, the, the one that we have left. But I did say that I would look for the fic that I wrote way back in the day. No, and see no. if we could read that. So I found what? it. What? I wrote it. I wrote this in April of 2015. Oh uh, wow! So that was six
1: years ago. April right 28th. 2015.
0: That was right after we started. Right after we started podcasting. podcasting. And and I wrote this. I think because Liam, you said you wanted to see. I asked you what would you want to see in a fic, and I think you said I want to see Luke and uh, I want to see Darth Vader Pacific and the Emperor domestic. fighting Luke. Or something like that. And I was like, well, that happened once. How could that have happened another time, right? Yeah. So that's kind of where I started. I'm like, how could I make this happen and not have it be Return of the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. So here we go. There's an opening crawl here. The Republic has fallen. What's left of its sympathizers have been chased to the corners of the galaxy by the Imperial Army. Emperor Palpatine, also known to some as the evil Sith Lord Darth Sidious sees to it that every last shred of the Republic and its defenders, the Jedi, are erased from the galaxy and from the memories of its population. Anakin Skywalker, now Darth Vader, gets used to his new body, much of it robotic. The former graceful and quick Jedi Knight now labors under the weight and restriction that his new mechanical form imposes upon him. Darth Sidious, saddened to see his once powerful apprentice now reduced to little more than a battle droid, takes it upon himself to help Vader regain shreds of his previous strength and agility. Dot, 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 dot.
1: Wait, there's, there's four dots? There's
0: always four dots at the end of an open girl. Uh. Yeah, because four <laughs>
1: dots is like the end of a sentence too, whereas three dots is just like in the middle of a sentence.
0: On a wind-swept plateau on the planet Kassar, the Dark Lord of the Sith Darth Sidious trained his apprentice for what he knew one day would happen. Darth Vader would one day need to fight his son. Sidious knew that Vader's son would eventually rise as a powerful Jedi, though he couldn't understand just how he would learn the ways of the Force. Even the powerful dark side of the Force couldn't show him where the Jedi Master Yoda lived, or if he was even alive. He had the sense that Vader's son would find Yoda or some other long-lost Jedi, eventually, and learn just enough to be a threat. Then he would find Vader. If it was at all possible, the Force would make it happen. If Lord Sidious knew anything, he knew that. And so young Vader needed more training, and Kassar was just the place for it. Every planet seemed to have their own technological specialty. Kamino had clone technology, Kef had interdimensional vision technology, and kasser Kaspier? I, you're right. Isn't that interesting? Mm. I came up with the with the planet Did named Cass. you work in
1: Lucasfilm no. for five years,
0: Kath, six years right. without
1: telling us? Have you been working in Lucasfilm? I haven't. And knowing.
0: No. Coincidences. With Star Wars, eventually, you know, if you come up with a name, eventually it'll become a Star Wars name. <laughs> uh, and Casser, the planet where Vader and Sidious stood side by side on a large plateau just now overlooking the lush purple forest below, had the best physical hologram technology in the galaxy. This was why they came here to train. Sidious paid a large sum of money to the best grammars on the planet to create a hologram worthy of two Sith Lords. Vader and Sidious walked into a hollow room in the early morning. Sidious had been awake for hours already, giving orders to the far-flung troops of the Empire, orders to exterminate various Jedi and other resistors mostly but also less satisfying matters, like establishing trade routes between newly dominated planets and managing funds to pay for new imperial outposts and prisons. Though Sidious thought with a tight-lipped grin, there wasn't need for many of those. The Hollow Room was actually an enormous circular arena. Spaced evenly along the walls were four large projectors, which not only created the images they will soon see, but also the mass of those images. Sidious found it hard not to think of the ways that such technology could be used toward militaristic ends. A path of inquiry for another day, perhaps. Do you think this is the best use of our time, my master? Vader asked, with his thunderous voice, hissing breaths bookending the question. Lord Vader, we have all the time in the galaxy. The Republic has fallen, thanks in no small part to your efforts. You have served me well, but you are lacking. Yes, my master, I am not what I used to be. Sidious thought he sensed blame in Vader's voice, but brushed it off as insignificant. The former Jedi had done more for the Sith than any previous member of the Order. Vader had, at last, brought victory to the Sith. But in doing so, he lost his former life, and all he held dear. There was no more Anakin Skywalker, Sidious wouldn't be surprised if Vader blamed him for that. "'Which is why we are here, Lord Vader. It is time to learn again. The best technology in the galaxy repaired your body. It is capable of more than you think. Today we explore the limits of what you can handle.' Sidious motioned to a window high above them at the top of the arena's dome. "'Leave us!' Sidious yelled at the window as the hologram flickered on. "'Our policy is to have an overseer, Emperor Palpatine, in case of technical malfunction.' A small kassirian vo- <laughs> voice said from right beside them. Vader startled a bit at the proximity of the sound. The kassirian speaking was, after all, behind the window, a hundred yards away. "'A trick of the technology.' Sidious said to Vader, sensing his confusion over how close the voice seemed. "'I said leave us!' he yelled at the Kassirian behind the window. "'You will listen now, or you will listen when we both come up there.' A pause hung in the air. Vader looked at Sidious. Sidious looked at Vader. And finally, the voice came back, deflated. "'Sorry, sir. Leaving now.'
1: So look Kermit the Frog.
0: Yeah, Cassirians the they they look like Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> ah Sidious said as he looked around, here we are. Class B planet, dense foliage, some fog, and he paused, looking around for the most important part. Your son. Actually, that's where I stopped. I didn't write your son. <laughs> but the most important part would be I, did, I never finished the story. Uh, the idea is that it would be like a full-grown Luke, or, or what the Emperor thought Luke would look like. Mm-hmm. So then Vader would be fighting this person who looks like his adult son. Huh? Or the best, you know, basically he would look like Anakin. Pretty oh, much, weird. you know. Slightly different version of Anakin. A mix of Anakin and Padme, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's it. That's That's all I got. I like the idea of holograms that have mass that you can interact with, yeah, um it's kind of a Star Trek thing. The holodeck was something that was on the the enterprise and they could go and and have adventures in this thing and interact with people even though they weren't actually there and cool. I never quite understood how that worked like how could you touch something that was a hologram, but anyway, it doesn't really exist in Star Wars, I don't think, but it no, will it know. will eventually eventually doesn't loom
1: well, I mean, you just wrote it. <laughs> <Didn't you? laughs> Not in canon. Not in canon. All right. Um, I, have, uh, I, I have a question about Nine Story. Oh, okay. Are there a lot of characters in it? Or, like, what writing style is it?
0: Nine Story? Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. There's, like, two characters in the first part, and then. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Episode 10, The Light of Darkness
1: Chaos. After the defeat of the evil First Order, a new power has risen. A second Jedi Order, founded by the once Resistance fighter Rey Skywalker, has gained power. But unlike the first Jedi Order, the second has no government to back it, for it is the government itself. But the galaxy is restless as the Jedi struggle to maintain peace and stability in the galaxy after the death of Rey at the hands of the Underworld criminals years after peace had finally fallen across the galaxy. The Jedi Council rules with an iron fist over the unruly Senate as they try to remain in control. On Coruscant, the Jedi have become worried about the far-off, insipar system because the Jedi Knights stationed there have not reported in for weeks. Desperate to show the galaxy that the Jedi can still maintain control, Grand Master Skor Santarna has dispatched a Jedi Knight and his Padawan to investigate the mysterious unresponsiveness of the Insipar system.
0: Chapter 1 Tara sat in her bunk, mulling over her and her master's task. She wasn't exactly scared, but she was definitely worried. They had been sent to an obscure system in the middle of nowhere that had been unresponsive to all their communications. To add on to her worries, this was her first real assignment with her new master, and of course, the Jedi Council had decided to broadcast it live to the galaxy. Pitiful, she thought, shaking her head. They're so desperate to show the galaxy that we actually have control that they decided to live stream a scouting mission. She just hoped that it would be over soon. Tara really hated flying. That's why she was hiding in the bunk room of the Jedi shuttle and not co-piloting with her master. When she was little, her parents had died in a ship crash over Coruscant. The Jedi had found her in the debris and trained her because they sensed the power in her. Ever since, she had a fear of flying. Which is sometimes a problem when you're an intergalactic peacekeeper. Tara! She heard her master call from the cockpit of the shuttle. Coming! She answered grudgingly as she dragged herself out of her bed. She entered the cockpit and tapped her master on the shoulder to get his attention because he was once again staring into the undulating blue vortex of hyperspace. You called? She said in an irritated voice. She would never speak to him in public like that, but they had formed such a deep bond through training that they joked with each other freely, and sometimes even insulted each other with no regret. When we come out of hyperspace, I want you to launch that cam droid that the Council gave us, so we can show the galaxy that the Jedi are the best scouters ever, he said with a humorous twinkle in his eye. Tara groaned.
1: But why did they make us do it, not some more experienced Jedi?
0: Tara complained. Listen, the less you complain, the faster we'll get this done, and then we can go back to Coruscant, and you can play with your pet Tuca Cat all day, he said, as he prepared to bring the ship out of hyperspace.
1: I told you to stop making fun of me about Nibbles,
0: Terra said for what must have been the thousandth time this week. You named him Nibbles, how can you expect me not to make fun of you? But he was cut off as the ship came out of hyperspace, over the gray-green dust ball that was in Sipar Major but they could barely see the actual planet because the space above the planet was full of hundreds of dark gray triangular ships. Terra immediately recognized the ships from History Hollows. They were Imperial Star Destroyers. Except they weren't. Terra is somewhat a history buff and she knew that these Star Destroyers were at least four times the size of a standard ISD. She stared in pure shock at the Star Destroyers as the comm on the ship crackled. Then a crisp, commanding voice came through the speakers.
1: Unidentified vessel, this is Admiral Raul Kest of the New Empire. Please identify yourself and your destination or you will be boarded.
0: Terra stared at her master, scared out of her wits. An Imperial Star Destroyer could wipe out an entire city with its weapons. She had no idea what these beasts were capable of. Her master, looking almost as shocked as she was, activated the comm and said in a shaky voice, This is a Jedi ambassadorship. We have come to investigate this system and the disappearance of five Jedi and their troops. With your kind permission, we would like to land on the surface of the planet. Then he spun around to face Tara, an intense urgency in his eyes. Tara, you have to go. Get in the escape pod and get out of here. You have to warn the Jedi Council about this. But what? Tara began. Just go! He yelled, shoving her down the hallway. Tara ran toward the escape pod at the end of the hallway. She heard the Imperial say something through the calm, but she couldn't hear what, because she was too distracted with fear for her life. She reached out into the force to calm herself and turned around to see what was happening, just in time to see the cockpit obliterated by a green blast of laser fire. Nyan. Oh, Nyan. You're so mean. (laughs) She barely had time to scream before she was sucked toward the gaping hole in the ship by the cold, dark vacuum of space. Just as she was about to enter the cold darkness, the emergency atmospheric shields kicked in, and the hole in the ship was sealed off by a glowing ray of plasma. She collapsed to the floor, gasping for breath, then the full impact of what had just happened hit her. Her master was dead. Her kind, funny, and empathetic master had been blasted to atoms by a single laser. She curled into a fetal position like she had after the speeder accident that had brought her to her master in the first place and sobbed. She sobbed until she had completely blocked out the outside world. She was startled out of her grief by a sound that reverberated in her very soul, a sound that hurt her ears and instilled fear in her very bones. She ran to the window and saw two ships roaring toward the broken shuttle that she instantly recognized from the history lessons as TIE fighters. But these were different from the Imperial and First Order models. These were sleeker, faster, better equipped, and altogether fiercer. Tara stumbled to her feet and clambered into the escape pod. She wasn't thinking with her mind, she was too grief struck for that. Instead, all her actions were purely instinctual. She slammed her fist into the eject button and the pod shot toward Insapar Major just as the TIE Fighters blasted the remaining piece of the shuttle to a blackened pile of slag. The fighters then veered off to pursue the escape pod that had just jettisoned from the shuttle. Tara watched as the fighters closed in on her and prepared to fire their cannons. But Tara surfaced from her misery just enough to call upon the force. She reached out her hand and jerked it to the side. As if her hands were tied to the TIE fighter by a string, the one on the left suddenly jerked to the side and smashed into the one on the right, sending them both spinning towards the planet in a fiery ball of metal and wires. Before she could celebrate her small victory, a laser blast scraped the side of her pod, destroying two of the thrusters and sending her spinning in a tight circle straight down to the dusty plains of Insapar Major.
1: Whew. Wow a That's a good story. opening that's a
0: good opening to a movie right there. Yeah. That's a word. Chapter really two go. Chapter two. Tara woke up with a splitting headache and two flashing red lights pointed straight at her eyes. She sat up quickly and glanced around. She was still in her escape pod, and the emergency lights were the things flashing at her. She stood up and tried to remember what had happened. After her escape pod had been hit, she had tried to activate the parachute to slow her fall when she entered the atmosphere, but the blast had fried all the controls and she wasn't able to do anything. And when the escape pod hit the ground, she must have hit her head on something. Tara reached to her head and her hand came away wet. Blood, she thought. What did my master always say to do about blood? She couldn't remember, so she ripped off the sleeve of her robe and tied it around her head. She checked to see if her lightsaber was still strapped to her hip. It was. She grabbed the small ration pack that was in the escape pod and set out to find a way to warn the Jedi Council. She had to move fast, because if those massive Star Destroyers had shot her down, then surely they could have tracked the pod down to the planet. She set off at a run, ignoring the throbbing in her head. Insipar was not a great place to be in her situation. It was a flat, dusty landscape with dead grass and dotted with shrubs. In other words, it was not a good place to hide. Someone, especially people with heads-up displays, could spot her miles away. So the only advantage she had was speed. She channeled the Force into her legs and dashed across the barren landscape. With both adrenaline and the power of the Force, she ran faster than she ever had in her life, so fast she didn't even see the two figures before she crashed right into them.
1: Hold it right there!
0: One of them shouted. His voice had a strange quality to it, as if it were going through a filter. She looked up and saw two small humans clad in shiny white armor. They were wearing helmets that she instantly recognized from the history hollows. These were stormtroopers. But at the moment, Tara couldn't care less about what they were. The only thing she cared about was that they both had blaster rifles, and they were pointed straight at her face.
1: Who are you? I didn't think there were natives on this hunk
0: of rock. One of the troopers barked at her, his voice filtered through his helmet making it sound strange and not human.
1: Must be an escaped prisoner. Look at the robes.
0: The other one guessed. At this point, Tara thought she could take them on. With her lightsaber and the force combined, she thought the troopers had no chance. But then she had an idea.
1: I am an escaped prisoner, she lied, and I'm going to escape you fools again.
0: She jumped up, ignited her lightsaber, and was promptly shot in the face. She woke up in a cold metal chair in a dark room surrounded by white armor-clad troopers, and she was so criffing sore. Her face was tingling and she could barely feel her legs. She must have been blasted by those troopers, thanks to force it was on stun. Even so, two stun shots to her face at point-blank range did not feel good.
1: A hey Stormies!
0: She yelled at the troopers standing in a circle around her.
1: Can I have some water? Shut up, Jedi!
0: The trooper closest to her said,
1: You come here and try to kill us and you expect us to give you luxuries?
0: Tara didn't think water was necessarily a luxury, but he had a fair point.
1: Well, if you guys are trying to kill me, don't you think I should protect myself?
0: Terra shot back at him, internally grinning.
1: You really want us to shoot you again, don't you?
0: He said, raising his blaster.
1: Maybe this time it won't be on stun.
0: Now, let's not be rude to our guest, Commander Rust. A new calm voice cut through the room. A figure emerged from the shadows and walked over to Terra. Hopefully, my troopers weren't too harsh, were they, Terra Besai? The man was slim wearing a full black suit with a long cape flowing from his back. He seemed young, maybe only five or six years older than Terra. But the most shocking thing about him were his eyes. They were dark, fathomless pits that seemed so much older than what his face showed. His light brown skin and dark hair matched nicely with his attire. Terra shook that thought out of her head. Now was not the time to be thinking about the fashion choices of her enemy.
1: How do you know my name?
0: She muttered. All the fight drained out of her as she looked into his face and saw the deep intelligence, darkness, and power in his eyes. Oh, my dear Tara, you really do need to learn to shield your thoughts from others. I'm sure the Jedi Council knows everything you have ever thought about them by now. But of course the Jedi Council is weak, so that assumption might not be true. A smile danced across his face. As he looked into her mind with no apparent effort, you seem to agree with me about that, that the Jedi Council is weak. No, not weak. Corrupt is the word you use, which is quite true. And that is the very reason I have brought you here, Tara, because you are not as loyal to the Jedi Council as a good Jedi should be. And that is exactly what I need. What Tara expected next was troopers to descend on her and start beating her to a pulp to find out information that she didn't have, but she didn't expect her clamps to release and for the man to escort her out of the room. She emerged into a hallway filled with bustling officers and squads of troops. Two officers appeared at the side of the man and started whispering to him and showing him statistics on a datapad. He muttered something to them under his breath and they nodded and turned onto a different hallway. Terra considered trying to run away, but she suspected that the moment she strayed from her expected path, she would be shot down by anyone in the hallway. The man led her into a room, and the moment the door shut behind her, all the noise from the corridor vanished. Inside the room was a table, two chairs, and nothing much else besides some small trees growing in pots lining the sides of the room. On the far end, there was a large window looking out into the plains of Insipar. So I am still on the planet, she thought. The man sat down on one of the chairs and motioned for Tara to sit. She did. Then a section of the table folded in on itself, and a platter rose from underneath it. The platter contained some of the most delicious-looking foods she had ever seen. At the Jedi Temple, they valued nutrition over enjoyment, making all her meals unpleasant and unexciting. While this was the exact opposite, there was a large roasted ronto, a variety of exotic fruits, some strange colorful soup, and much, much more. The man slid her a small plate and grinned at her shocked face. "'Tara, I am not a cruel man, so instead of torturing the information I want out of you, I thought we could have a nice civilized talk,' he calmly explained, as he served some food onto both of their plates. "'Please do eat up. We are going to be here a while,' he chuckled at her hesitant yet excited face. "'Tara, I told you I am not a cruel man. I didn't poison your food.' Tara picked up her fork and ate a bit of the Ronto meat. Her eyes widened with shock at the burst of flavor in her mouth. The most flavor she ever had was some yogin fruit, and this soared past the little flavor that it had possessed. The man laughed at her reaction and raised his eyebrows as if to ask her if she liked it.
1: This is delicious. She gushed. The Ronto meat has a rather strange texture, but it's the best thing I've ever tasted.
0: She then remembered that she should probably be a little less friendly around her enemies. It has a different texture because I'm vegetarian, so this is fake Ronto. Nice. This is also one of my favorite recipes. I cooked it myself, he chatted. So let's get down to business. I think it would be a bit rude to interrogate you immediately, especially after I had you shot in the face. So how about you ask me a few questions first? Tara hesitated. She decided to ask a simple question first.
1: What's your name?
0: You will learn my real name in time, but for now you can call me the Emperor. Terra's eyes widened, this time not from food.
1: The Emperor of what?
0: Oh, the Emperor of my new regime. The Emperor of the new Empire. And that... Is where we're going to leave that story. That's good. That's super That's good. Really That's good.
1: good. <laughs> yeah. These are all really good. Yeah. yeah. You guys are some good writers.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Wow.
1: Very, very good stuff.
0: I really liked how, you know, this is pretty far into the future, so it's sort of, you know, Nine can kind of do whatever he wants with it. Right. You know, it doesn't have, he doesn't have to use any of the old characters or anything like that. Just one little mention of like, yeah, Ray started the Jedi Order, so now there's a Jedi Order again, you right. know, um, and uh, it's interesting. We'll we'll meet the Grand Master in the next chapter, and she's like the opposite of Yoda. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not a nice person at all. Um, so that's really interesting, uh, and it reminds me of some of the Jedi in in Legends. Like uh, uh, the Fate of the Jedi was one of that was a series that I had read, and like Dumbledore and, and Umbridge. Kind of, yeah. Like, there's some Jedi (laughs) in the later books, especially in Legends. The Jedi, like, they fight amongst themselves even, you know. It's, like, really interesting. But, no, uh, really good characterization and scene setting. And, yeah, nice work. Nine, And nice work to Ish and Riley also. It's good (laughs) stuff. Um, And you... Oh well, and you—the
1: yeah. uh, little of it was really good.
0: Uh, yes. When I was I was going through my emails, trying to you know make sure I I got all the fixes that were sent to me, and I I feel like I missed one, but I I know that um, Clayton had sent one that I wasn't able to access, and I I sent him an email. So hopefully we'll get to that one uh, next time we do this, uh, which won't be that long, I think, because I want to read more of uh, Riley's if they want to send us more, and. Uh, and nine, if you want to send us more too. Um, actually, I have more of yours, so I could just keep reading if that's okay with you.
1: Yeah, we'll read like um, a chapter every episode. Maybe,
0: maybe we could have we could have like a fanfic fanfic section. Oh, wow! Yeah, there we go. We could. Hey. Oh
1: gosh, our episodes are going to end Fan up being like five section. hours
0: long. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay because like you know the fanfic section can take the place of our news section, which hasn't been that big True. lately. So, um, but yeah, so thank you Ish, Riley, nine. And again, if I missed your fic, please send me an email and say, hey, don't forget about this one, because, yeah, we'll keep doing this. Uh, If not another whole episode, we'll just kind of insert it where we can. It'll be good. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for listening to this special episode, episode 186 of Children of the Force. And as always, thank you to those who support us over on Patreon.com slash Children of the Force. Your support allows us to do this podcast and to make it better. And if you'd like to reach out to us online, you can contact us via Twitter
1: at Force Children.
0: On Facebook, we are
1: Children of the Force.
0: Leave us a voicemail on speakpipe.com slash children of the force or just record a voice memo and email it to us. And you can do that at our email address, which is
1: forcechildren at gmail.com.
0: And our website is
1: Children of childrenoftheforce.com.
0: And finally, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to us really does help the show get into more people's ears we'd really appreciate it
1: also one more thing yeah. if you are a new emailer yeah um could you please put your pronouns in the first email so we know them yep that'd be yep. nice for us
0: great idea yep yep all right for children of the force i'm al
1: i'm anna i'm liam
0: and may, may the, the force, force be with you, with you. Yeah.